Hi, this is Dr. Ali Sharma with a trigger warning for everyone. You may hear us speaking about life experience in this podcast that have meaning for you, that may be difficult to hear, or that may affect your loved ones. As always, we encourage you to seek help from a licensed mental health professional or other healthcare provider with any questions you may have about what you're going through. Everything in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please don't delay seeking help because of something you hear on Model Mentality. Hi, I'm Dr. Ali Sharma. And I'm Bridget Malcolm. And this is Model Mentality, a podcast where we are opening up the dialogue on mental health, one conversation at a time. Welcome to Let's Get Real from Model Mentality. Today we have a special bonus episode from our collaboration with Fountain House, featuring season one guest Melanie Monroe and Fountain House member Janelle, whose story you can hear more about in the previous episode. For those of you who may not know, Fountain House is a national mental health nonprofit fighting to improve health, increase opportunity, and end social and economic isolation for people living with serious mental illness. Today we are focusing on BIPOC mental health. BIPOC referring to Black, Indigenous, and people of color, and specifically that people of BIPOC communities due to longstanding disparities, inequalities, and injustices do not get the care they need. And in fact, what we know is that people from the BIPOC community are less likely to have access to quality mental health services, more likely to be affected by cultural stigma and discrimination, and as a result, less likely to seek out treatment for mental health care. Janelle's story is in complete alignment with this, so let's review her story. Melody Monroe's Janelle and I had the opportunity to speak in the past year about Janelle's mental health journey, specifically that she started college as a student athlete and was under intense pressure to perform at the highest levels, both athletically and academically. It was during this time that she experienced the most confusing and isolating of experiences, the beginnings of a mood disorder, of bipolar disorder, with intense, uncontrollable emotions. But in her cultural paradigm, mental health was not something that she was familiar with, and she was not able to self-identify, self-refer, and to seek out the support she needed. But her situation was complicated by another layer. She's a Black woman confronted by the cultural taboo of mental health. She was all too aware that if she dared to express some of what she was feeling, perhaps she would be misperceived. Perhaps, due to the color of her skin, this would be a double strike against her. Listen to this clip of Janelle speaking about her fears in this regard. Yeah, it was a huge fear for me. Um, Just like I said, uh, part of my symptoms was just like, it would happen in public. I wasn't able to control when they would happen. And it was just really worrisome. I was worried that um, people would perceive me as dangerous because of the color of my skin. Um, And then then not not knowing um, a lot about mental illness, there was like, both of those factors um, could lead to something happening if um, someone tried to intervene or someone tried to um, like call police or something to intervene or something like that. um, Because I just felt like I didn't have control. And it was very scary. And it made me isolate for sure. Because um, I didn't want to give people the chance to like misinterpret me or misinterpret um, what I was going through. Um, so yeah, it was definitely difficult. Unfortunately, the story is all too common. Can you imagine you start to experience the intense emotions and dysregulation of a bipolar episode? 
Janelle had said she was in a mixed episode, which, for those of you who don't know, means that she was both depressed and manic at the same time, a very uncomfortable state. And imagine that you're trying to balance the demands of your livelihood. And on top of that, your culture's norms unduly reject the concept of mental illness. And therefore, you choose to confide in no one. You go through it alone and isolate because that feels like the only choice. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you that is not the only choice. And it is that very experience of isolation that we have to change. What COVID and Black Lives Matter, if anything, has taught us is that mental health affects all of us. No one is immune. And our cultural understanding of it may vary, but it is present in every society and in every culture. And especially within the context of communities of color, stigma is pervasive. Janelle describes it to us in the next segment that it was her belief that Black people did not have mental illness and that culturally it's hard to express negative emotions or talk about emotions. So for a deeper dive on this topic, take a listen to season one guest and fashion model Melody Monroe's speaking with Janelle on mental health and communities of color, specifically athleticism and modeling comparisons, more on the toxic image of a strong Black woman, normalizing mental health in black and brown communities, the role of Fountain House in Janelle's life, choosing providers that Janelle can relate to, and more. For more on Melody, please be sure to catch our full episode from season one of Model Mentality. Hi, everyone. First of all, I want to thank Dr. Sharma and Bridget for thinking of me um, for being a part of this conversation and this project with Fontaine House. Um, hi, Janelle. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, yeah, there's a lot of parts about what Janelle said that resonated with me. Mentioned earlier that um, a lot of the episodes that you were having were kind of happening at the same time where you were competing and kind of being an athlete at school. Um, I thought of this because there is a lot of comparisons between athletes and models because of the intensity of, and the pressure that we're under and the emphasis with hard work and performance. Do you think that somehow this pressure and this environment kind of like trigger your emotional state, I would say? I could definitely see that having been a factor. Um, being a student athlete, I remember being so frustrated with the fact that I felt like I barely had any time to sit down. I was always on go. Um, and like, not only was I always on go, I was, so it was college level courses and it was division one soccer. So I was always having to perform at the highest level possible for me. So it was like draining. And it was a one-way road to burnout, for sure. Um, it was a lot to deal with. How do you think that in our community, we can fix the very toxic image of a strong Black woman? My first instinct was to act like I didn't even need help. Um, like, I got the diagnosis, and I was like, yeah, I got this. It's not a big deal. Like, yeah, I got, like, you know, trying to downplay it for myself and also for others around me, just because... Um, I was used to doing for myself and not having other people feel like they need to be worried about me. Um, and in addition, I didn't want to be a problem. I was in a lot of predominantly white er like um, situation, 
areas, I guess. Um, my team, I was like one of three black people on the team. My classes, I would be like one or one of one or two people in my classes. So I felt this pressure to perform well and to look put together and to not fit into any stereotypes. And it was always in the back of my mind, especially when like certain symptoms of my bipolar would make it look like I wasn't trying as hard in school. Like I'd be depressed and mm -hmm. unable to concentrate and it would look like a stereotype, like, you know, all that stuff. And it definitely was playing in my head on top of me trying to like battle the illness itself. I was just worried about those other factors. In your, both of your experiences and your upbringing, mm -hmm. maybe Janelle for you prior to the diagnosis and Melody perhaps prior to coming to New York, what was your impression of mental health being where you're from within your own community? It's not for us. And was there stigma? <laughs> yeah. It, it's just like, it's just not, it's just, a, it's not for us. I was of the firm belief that black people did not have mental illness. Um, yeah, I was, or, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. I just didn't believe that it was, there was, the treatment was for us or that there was anything that, um, whatever happened I mean, like I, this. I thought it was like a thing of privilege, I guess. Like, um, mm. like you had to, um, be privileged in order to have something like that happen to you, if that makes any sense. Do you think that it would be possible to normalize in black or brown communities um, the fact of not being okay and break away from the stigma around mental health? Yeah, I definitely feel um, that it's a bit cultural. I feel like it, like in the black community, expressing emotion. Um, or expressing negative emotions is really difficult to, to do, um, especially right. without judgment. I don't think it's possible to do without judgment, but um, it's just um, kind of seen as taboo. And I know that in my family, like, well, we don't have, um, until I was older, we didn't really um, talk about emotions or express them. They were kind of told like, shh, shh like keep it down, like <laughs> keep it to yourself kind of thing. How beneficial has uh, Fontaine House been in your life and um, has it been helping you improving, uh, let's say like, like the type of support that you have around? Do you feel like um, they've been able to create a bridge between your family and you and help them understand you better and help them accepting your diagnosis and you know, be more open and understanding? I think it definitely helps um, to go to Fountain House and see like a whole organization surrounding mental illness. Like I had never heard of anything like that before in my life. So that was really like incredible to me. And the fact that it was like so well organized and helping so many people in different facets of their life. So like acknowledging that mental illness affects like can affect your ability to have housing, your education, all this other stuff that um, like a lot of other treatment options or since not treatment, but a lot of treatment options aren't able to address. Um, so that was like really incredible. Um, but it definitely um, helps 
to see that there were so many other people being affected by it. Um, and but being affected by it and still being able to live productive and, um, lives. Do you feel more comfortable talking about certain issues with a person of color or a black woman in general or just a black person? And have you been able to find uh, counseling that was like tailored for you? So yeah, personally I do, I have realized that I felt more comfortable talking to women of color. Um, it was really hard to find those women of color to speak to. I, with like with insurance and all that stuff, it can be tricky. Um, mm -hmm. Something that actually helped out with that with, was COVID actually in that making telehealth um, an option. I was able to like, I see a psychiatrist and a therapist and they're both black females or women. And um, they're all the way down in South Jersey, but because of telehealth, I can see them and speak to them. And I feel super comfortable. And especially like when all of those things were happening with Black Lives Matter, um, mm -hmm. I felt it to be even more pressing to have yeah. someone who I could voice my like general feelings um, towards it. Someone who just understood, like I would literally just get on the call and be like, girl like today was hard like you know and it would just be <laughs> understood <laughs> you know there was I didn't have to explain everything that goes into it so do you think it's possible for us to start a healthy conversation with our parents about not being okay seeking for help outside of you know the family structure and um, maybe professional help Or outside of religion sometimes that's also usually like often where the communication and their understanding feels like difficult I would say um, I think I would just love to see more transparency um, with people of color who do currently have mental illness I think a huge part of my me getting comfortable and understanding mental illness was being surrounded by other people who had it and me um, like The first time I met another black woman with bipolar disorder was like, I was like freaking out. It was so amazing to see like, and just speak on things, not because like um, necessarily she had um, like an exactly the same situation as myself, but it was just, I was able to like not feel so alone. I think it could also just help people to see that mental illness doesn't look the same for everyone. And it doesn't look the way that we've been presented um, it on like TV or um, a lot of the other ways. Like they try to, they sh a lot of the times they show like very extreme situations, although um, some people do have those situations. It's just like there's a wide array of ways that people can deal with mental illness and how it presents on them. So I just wish um, there would be a little bit more openness um, and discussions and answering people's questions about it and all that stuff because exposure is really what's going to get um, people to open up their minds and change their minds, I believe. Yeah, and I have to say just by listening to both of you speaking and having the two of you here talking about this, we're starting the conversation right now. And it's so powerful mm -hmm. to do that. And Our hope is that this discussion or discussions like this gets replicated by a thousand, by a million, right? So that we normalize what is mental health and that it doesn't discriminate across 
race, across gender, across socioeconomics, across so many lines, right? And there is a universality to it, but it might look different, like as you say. Um, and we need to work to help people understand that, you know, and to just understand that it's part of the human experience. So look, I thank you both. There's so much more we could talk about. I feel like we could have another hour um, and maybe we can mm -hmm. at some stage, but thank you for having this conversation and you know, more to come. I just want to say thank you again to everyone. It was a pleasure to meet you, Janelle. I hope you have a great day and um, thank you everyone again for having me today. It was a pleasure. As always, if you are in crisis or you think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255 to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at a crisis center in your area at any time. If you are located outside of the United States, call your local emergency line immediately. What you have heard on Model Mentality does not represent what would take place during a psychiatric assessment or an actual therapy session. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Model Mentality. If you like today's content, please subscribe to Model Mentality or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. Model Mentality is brought to you by Mind Studios.